Well, Merry Christmas. It's great to be with you guys tonight. My name is Blake Jennings. I'm, I'm a teaching pastor over at Southwood, but it's really fun to be here with you because I can share some stories with you that maybe you've never heard before because I don't teach to you guys every week. So I thought I'd start with a little story about the, the Christmas that sticks in my mind the best growing up. It was kind of the biggest Christmas for me. I asked my parents for a remote-controlled airplane which that's a big thing for, for a little kid. I didn't understand money, but I knew those were expensive. Like you have the, the airplane and the gasoline engine and the electronics and the controller. So I didn't get my hopes up. I thought it was like a real long shot. So I was utterly shocked to come out on Christmas morning and unwrap my presents and find not one, but two remote controlled airplanes. Turned out my family had gotten together and they got one that was already built so my dad and I could go fly it immediately. And then they got us a kit to build for a second one. And that was incredible. I couldn't imagine that I would get something so great. And when my cousins heard about that, it became a legend. From then on, they called it the two-plane Christmas. And every other Christmas got measured against that one and was found lacking. That was like the best Christmas ever. At least I thought it was when I was a child because I was fixated on childish things. But then I grew up and I began to experience the, the pain and the suffering and the futility that all of us have experienced in this life. And I came to see that a two-plane Christmas is nothing compared to the gift that God gave to us on that first Christmas 2,000 years ago. That gift that Dusty was talking about, the gift of a Savior, of Jesus the Son of God, that gift makes all other Christmases and all other gifts pale by comparison. And I just want to take a moment tonight just to remind you of that, just to share just three reasons why I think this gift of a Savior trumps everything else you have ever been given in the course of your life. So why is the gift of a Savior the best thing you've ever received? Well, the first reason is because it meets our greatest need. And that's not really true for most Christmas gifts. If you think about it, most Christmas gifts are probably not meeting your deepest needs in life. A few years ago, my in-laws gave me this beautiful Japanese chef knife. It's got like that folded steel that looks artistic and it's incredibly sharp. Julie won't even touch it. She's so scared of it. It's amazing. I, I love this knife, but how much did I actually need that knife? Well, I'm not a chef, so I didn't need it at all. I'm not making sushi or filet mignon. I'm making peanut butter sandwiches every day. And you don't need something like that to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So for 360 days of the year, it sits in its box on the shelf. And that's how it is for almost every Christmas present. We don't really need them. We just have to find a new place to store them. But it's different with the gift that God gave to us. The gift of a savior meets our greatest need. And we find out about that in a passage in the book of Ephesians chapter two, the apostle Paul tells us you were dead in your trespasses and in the sins in which you once walked following the course of this world among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. It's not a very fun passage to read on Christmas Eve. But it is the best passage to read to understand how much we need a savior. It is our greatest need because all humans are born sinners. And and what does that mean? It means that by nature, we choose to sin. We love sin. Paul says we were dead in sin. We couldn't resist it. And you've lived long enough to, to know that about yourself. 
That you, you think and you say and you do things that you know are wrong. They hurt other people. They're prideful. They're selfish. You know that that stuff is wrong. And Paul tells us at the end of the passage, because of all that wrong stuff we do, we're therefore children of wrath. This is a fancy way of saying what we deserve from God is not his love, not, not heaven, but punishment. We deserve justice to be done. We deserve wrath from God, but what did God give us instead? Well, you know, this passage doesn't end here, right? Verse 3 is not the end of the passage. It goes on one of the most beautiful passages ever written. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. But God... Rich in mercy, because of his great love, he did not give us the wrath that our sins deserved. Instead, in grace, he gave us a savior, Jesus, to take away our sin, to remove our guilt, to save us from the wrath of God. This gift of a savior that God made possible for you 2,000 years ago is the greatest gift you've ever received because it meets the greatest need you've ever had. That's the first reason why that gift trumps all others. Second reason. It never becomes obsolete. One of the saddest things for me as as a parent, my kids are eight years old, eight-year-old twins, and they will ask me for something at Christmas every year, and they'll make that promise that all kids make, if you just get me this thing, I will never ask for anything else. I will be happy forever. And that breaks my heart because I wish it was true, but I know it's not. I know they're lying. Why? Because I was a kid. And, and I know how that works. You beg for something. I remember begging my parents for a G.I. Joe F-14 fighter jet. I wanted this thing, and I was absolutely convinced if they gave me this thing, I'd be happy forever because it was about two and a half feet long, and it had missiles that shot out of it, and the wings swept forward and backwards, and you could put G.I. Joe in it to fly it. I thought it was incredible. So my parents gave it to me, and I played with it nonstop for two weeks. And, and then it was boring. Two weeks later, and I was done with it. So I went to the back of a closet, and some years later, into a trash can, and it was done. Because all the gifts we give each other, they grow obsolete. It happens quickly with kids' gifts, but it still happens with adult gifts. Our gifts are more expensive, but they still wear out. They still go out of fashion. They still become obsolete and break down. That's true of all human gifts. But it's not true of God's gift of a Savior. His gift never grows obsolete, never wears out. You never need a new version of it. It lasts forever. How do you know that? Well, because of what he called it. What did God call salvation? Eternal life. This gift of salvation, when God forgives your sins and takes away wrath, he calls it eternal life because it lasts forever. It never ends. God has planned for you a gift of salvation that will never grow boring. You will still be enjoying it a billion years from now as if you had just received it. I love how the Bible describes forgiveness. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. When it says that God forgives your sins, have you ever thought about the verb tense of that? Forgives. It just means constant, constant forgiveness. It means that God forgave all your past sins, all the bad things you did back there, all gone. It means he forgives your present sins, like whatever sins you're committing today, boom, they're forgiven. It means he forgives all of your future sins that you don't even know about. When you realize if you do something bad 10 years from now, you don't even know it's coming. Jesus already does and he already died for it. He already took that sin in your future and paid the price for it because this gift of a savior never wears out. It continues to bring you forgiveness forever. 
And so as the Bible describes and unpacks this gift that God gave you through Jesus, here's the words that God uses towards the end of the book of Revelation. This is the Apostle John speaking talks about your future salvation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle or home of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And then in the next chapter, John goes on, there will no longer be any curse and the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his bond servants will serve him. They will see his face and they will reign forever and ever. And if you have turned to Jesus as your savior, then that is your future. You may not know what's going to happen to you in the next 10 years, but you know what you're going to be doing in 10 billion years, which is that. And in 10 million, in 10 billion years, it'll only be the beginning. Because you will have forever to enjoy God's perfect peace in a world completely free of pain and suffering and sin and death where you stand at the right hand of God and rule all of creation with him. You will never grow bored of that. So this is the greatest gift you've ever received because it never wears out, never grows obsolete, never becomes boring. Third reason why this gift of a savior God provided you is the greatest gift ever given is because it costs more than all other gifts combined. You add up everything you have ever received in life and it is nothing compared to the price it was paid to give you a savior. Here's what the book of Isaiah says. We heard this earlier. Dusty read this to our kids. Here it is for us just to think about for a moment. Isaiah 53. Surely he, that is Jesus, took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet We considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. You see, forgiving sins is no small thing. It's not easy to do. God, the creator of all things, is perfectly righteous. He he is a just judge who must punish evil. He cannot wink at it. He cannot dismiss it. He cannot overlook it. He must punish it. But in grace, he caused his punishment to fall on Jesus instead of us. And Jesus willingly took it. He willingly took all the punishment our sins deserve and it cost him his life. It killed him. And so just think for a moment, how much does Christmas cost you? Well, if you're a kid out there, Christmas might cost you a few dollars as you very kindly buy gifts for your siblings and your parents. If you're a parent, it might cost you a few hundred dollars. If you're a grandparent, maybe a few thousand dollars. It's going to cost you something, but nothing compared to what it cost Jesus. What did that first Christmas cost Jesus? Well, he did have to leave the beauty and bliss of heaven, utter perfection, the presence of God, unmediated perfection. He had to leave it and take on this flesh that feels pain, that's limited, that decays and dies. And he had to walk in this life that's full of pain and suffering and disillusionment and betrayal. And then you know where Christmas is heading. Christmas is never an isolated holiday, right? Christmas always leads to Easter. So you know, when he came 2,000 years ago, he knew where he was headed. He came to die on the cross. And the creator of life gave his life so that we could have life. So the gift of a savior costs the life 
of the creator of the universe. And no greater price has ever been paid for anything. And so this gift of a savior is the best present you have ever received because it's the most valuable thing ever purchased. So that begs the question, have you received this gift? Have you received this gift of Jesus as your savior? God won't force that on you. It works just like presents are going to work tomorrow morning. If you hand your child a present, what must your child do to have that present? Got to take it. Got to open your hands and take that present and receive it. God won't force the gift of Jesus on you. You must say, yes, I want that. I I want to be saved by Jesus. I'm going to stop trusting in my good deeds, my church attendance, my giving to the poor. I'm going to instead receive Jesus as my savior. I'm going to choose to believe he died for me and rose from the dead so I could have life as a gift. You got to say yes and receive that gift. And so if you're here tonight and you've never said yes to that gift of a savior in Jesus, I would beg of you to think deeply about how much God loves you and about what he's done so that you can be forgiven and spend eternity with him. For those of us who have said yes to God's gift of a savior in Jesus, what this says to us is that here in this season, as we're giving gifts to one another, let's make sure we're giving the greatest gift of all. Let's make sure, parents, that we're talking to our kids about the gift they have in Jesus that exceeds and excels any Xbox One they might get. Let's make sure that we're talking to our family members and our neighbors and our coworkers. This is one of the few times of the year where you can talk about Jesus and they don't think you're weird. And so talk about who Jesus is and what he did for you. Share with them the greatest gift that's ever been given so that they don't have to go another year without the glory and grace of Jesus in their lives. Now we're going to end this service by celebrating in one final song and giving thanks for what God has given us and our Savior, Jesus Christ.